Welcome to episode 145 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who pinch hit for me this morning in Greek 1, Yeah, John Scott Sloat. That was fun. Yeah. That was fun. And then you kind of came for the last, what, half hour of class? Yeah, maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And we, we finished out the review game. That's and right. Little tag team there. Yeah, that was that was fun. I, I enjoy those review games. A little gamesmanship goes, yep. a, goes a long way. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the uh, final exam. I mean, we're recording on a Monday, so final exam is on uh, Wednesday. Yep. Judgment Day has come. Yep. Still a little bit of time for repentance. Not much left, though. <laughs> Need some serious repenting if they've not studied. Yeah, there's so. some there's some deathbed conversions <laughs> about to take place. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can find us on Twitter at v and s pod. You can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and we are on YouTube. We would greatly appreciate a five star rating and a review. All right, John, there's a lot of sports to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right into it today. Let's start with college football. Okay. And um, you were unusually engaged in the college football Saturday. Yes, I was. Yes, yes. I I watched a couple of games. Yeah. I was in – so my wife had – a bachelorette party for one of her friends in Indianapolis. I went down with her, stayed at the hotel with her, and I basically went to coffee shops and places to watch football all weekend. So okay. that was a bit – that was most of my weekend. So Saturday I was getting some lunch and it was one of those places with like 12 games on at a time. Yeah. It was fun. Good. It was fun to, to go like, ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so let's start with Ohio State. Uh, they absolutely destroyed Michigan State 49-20 to in a game that wasn't even as close as the score probably might even indicate. Yeah. Um, that was anticipated though. That wasn't supposed oh, yeah. to be a very yeah, close yeah. game. Yeah. I think they were favored by like 27. So okay. that's about expected. Um, C.J. Stroud had six touchdown passes and uh, actually a seventh if you count the pick six he threw. Wow. So, okay. Hmm. Um, yeah, miscommunication with one of his receivers. They read the defense differently and, and it, the quarterback ends up looking bad because he literally throws it right to the defensive back. Mm. And then you look at the replay like, oh, yeah, the wide receiver read the defense differently. He ran a, a fl- basically a deep pattern. The quarterback was expecting him to cut his rod off and play it short. Anyway. yeah. Um, and then uh, another note with that game. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., son, oh. son of the S- of senior <laughs> Colts great Marvin Harrison, had his third game of catching three touchdown passes. Okay. Okay. He started in his career now seven games. He started the Rose Bowl last year and the, and the six games this year. Does he have a mustache like his father? <laughs> he does not. He's – He's, I think, a more freakish athlete than his father was. Yeah, his father was always like a great route runner and had great hands. Yeah. And it was like his intellect that got him open. He was never like a crazy athlete. Yeah. What's scary is his son is basically those things 
and a freaky athlete. Okay. He he's the he's the next great one in Ohio State. Hmm. Okay. Um, elsewhere, did you watch this game, the Alabama Texas A and M game? I did not. No. Okay. This was on in the evening. It was a night game. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, so Alabama was playing without their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Bryce Young, who has a shoulder in- injury, and uh, Texas A and M has a quarterback who's no good. And yet at the end of the game, Texas A&M managed to drive down the field and had one play with three seconds left at the Alabama like two-yard line that would have won it. Hmm. And they run a play where the wide receiver runs a route where he – if the pass had been completed, he was fully covered. He would have caught the ball at the one-yard line. (laughs) Why do you run a route on the last play of the game? Where you catch it at the one, you have to throw that ball into the end zone. Yep. The route has to be in the end zone. Anyway, ridiculous. Bama did not play well and uh, Texas a and is not that great and it was a competitive game. Um, really, other than that, those are the two that – I mean, Tennessee. Tennessee has been – They they were – I watched them. They were a lot of fun. They're a good team. LSU is not. And so the fact that they blew out LSU doesn't really mean anything, I don't think. Well, this this gets back to a a regular theme we come to. What on earth is Brian Kelly doing? Yeah, I don't know. Why did he go to LSU? I mean, Notre Dame seems to be a far better team. This year, they're actually pretty comparable, I think. You think so? Yeah. I think they're pretty comparable. I mean, the reality is you go to the the SEC because – you think you've got a better path to win a national title because you think you're going to get better talent than Notre Dame gets. Sure. And uh, LSU is probably going to throw more money at their football program than Notre Dame is institutionally. Yeah. So – and I think also you're closer to – I mean let's be honest. The the South is where the majority of the best High school football players play. Particularly Florida, right? Yeah, really that Florida through – if you go off into Texas, like Florida Mm -hmm. through Texas, all of those states, um, Georgia is in there as well. Even uh, even Alabama and Mississippi have some good high school football and of course Texas is Texas. Um, I think you just have a better – a more natural advantage in recruiting those areas by being in LSU. Sure, sure. No, that makes total sense. But at the end of the day, I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I mean, he had a good thing at Notre he Dame. He did have a good thing. I mean, he's clearly Dame. Irish. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, but until he got the until job he at got LSU, the, and yeah, then he, he turned got, into a Southerner, right? Yeah, he got that the, beautiful Southern drawl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk some NFL. Yeah, let's talk some NFL. How about those Jets? Uh, so I watched this whole game, <laughs> which is the first time I've watched a Jets game in in its entirety this year because yeah. it's never on out of market for you. Yeah, so I went to a to a place where I could watch the game and saw the whole thing start to finish. What a what a fun team to watch when they win, you know? Uh first time they've won back-to-back games. Yeah. Now, I I will say they were not playing the Dolphins at full strength. That's right. Yeah. Still a win, and in the yeah. NFL a win's a win. Tua Tua was and, out, and then they lost um, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater on the first play. Yeah, so they were down to their third string quarterback. But that that was a pretty exciting play. I mean, did you see who? No, 
Did you, you didn't see the play? Okay. Sauce Gardner did a corner blitz. Yeah. And, I mean, hit him cleanly, but hard. hit him hard. Yeah. And he was out of the game from that point forward. Gotcha. Okay. Um, All right. The Jets need to throw the ball more to Garrett Wilson. Can you do something about that? I, I literally cannot. Uh, <laughs> but I am, I am in full agreement that Garrett Wilson needs a few more touches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did enjoy uh, Brees Hall had 100 yards receiving and 100 yards rushing yesterday. Oh. And they said, one of the reporters, you know, these report, these beat reporters get so in the weeds with these teams that they ask like the most detailed, minute question yeah. of these players, right? Yeah. That the rest of the public doesn't care about. But sometimes you get a good soundbite. And this guy goes, Brees, it looked like several times you uh, juked around guys and other times you just ran them right over. Which do you prefer? <laughs> they asked him that question. Do you know how he responded? No. I like winning football games. <laughs> well, maybe he's a student of Herm Edwards. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. You, play, play, to win you the game. play to win the game. Hello. <laughs> yeah. I, I am regularly stunned at the poor quality of questions that reporters ask. At press conference? Absolutely. Or even in post-game interviews or things like that. It's yeah. stunning to me. These are tra- – well, many of them, not all of them. Some of them are for, former athletes who've had no like formal training in this. Yeah. But the number of questions where it's like um, you seem to put good pressure on the quarterback today. How important is that? How important is that for you guys? Well, obviously it's important. Actually, we want that guy to be real comfortable back yeah. there. We, like, want, we want him to feel safe. I'm amazed that more athletes don't just unleash the snark and be like – or things like, you know, you, you got your, you know, your 10th touchdown pass of the, uh, pass of the, of the season or whatever. Um, what did that mean to you? I, I just wanted to say it meant nothing. I got seven points out of it. Yeah. That. <laughs> like the, the number of bad questions, it's really staggering to me. And I was someone who went through – like. I was a telecommunications major. I was training to be a sports broadcaster. So I have a little bit of an eye for this. But yeah. I don't think you have to have my eye for it to realize that's a dumb question. Well, I you would think they would have a guy dedicated in the truck to like you're the you're the question developer. You develop the questions. Yeah. And you send that to the beat reporter, you send that to the sideline reporter, all those things. The post-game interview guy, you know. Yeah. But you're right. They're they're, they're bad. Remarkably they're bad. bad. OK. I wanted to talk about the end of the Browns-Chargers game. Yeah. So I was not watching this game. It was not on a TV around me. But there was a guy 30 feet back from me who was watching it loudly. So OK. Well – He was hooting and hollering quite a bit. I was um, – I only caught the last, I don't know, 90 seconds of the game because it wasn't our main market game. They f- switched over to it because – the game I was watching was over and the Chargers had the ball at their own – they're on like 40-yard line. Mm-hmm. They're up two. There's like a minute 10 left. It's fourth down and two. Cleveland has no timeouts left. San Diego is at their own 40. They go for it instead of punting. And pushing Cleveland down – like the worst case scenario is the ball is going to go in the end zone. You're, they're going to be at their 20 and they're going to have to drive 50 yards-ish mm-hmm. to get into field goal range with no timeouts and about a minute on the clock. That's probably not going to happen. 
But doesn't San Diego have like a historically bad defense? I I don't know. Even so, I mean, it's fourth and two. This just I think their coach is big on the analytics, and I'm sure the there's some analytics that are like, well, obviously if you convert on fourth and two, the game's over. Like yep. it's kneel down time. That's it. But it's fourth and two, and you're on your own forty. Yeah. With a minute left, mm-hmm. punt the ball. They didn't. They didn't get it. Cleveland gets the ball at the 40-yard line. Now, of course, because they're Cleveland, they can't do anything with it. And they sure. missed a like 40 – no, like a 50-yard field goal that would have won the game. So the Chargers end up winning. Like it works because the Browns – don't have a particularly good field goal kicker right now. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Browns fans were upset yesterday. This to me is one of those cases where analytics just goes crazy. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh well. I mean, we on fourth and two historically we have a 61 percent chance of getting it. So let's go for that as opposed to kicking the ball down to the other end of the field and forcing Cleveland with no timeouts to drive the ball 50 yards mm-hmm. to get into field goal range. I like some level of analytics. Yeah, I think it's in some spots very helpful. But that's ridiculous what that coach did. He's very fortunate it worked because you can imagine he would have been crucified if the Browns hit that field goal. Oh, yeah. And rightly so. But in any case – it's time, John. Okay. Yeah. We've delayed it as long as we can. Let's talk about your Mets. Yeah. Uh, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> well, the last well, last week when we recorded, the regular season had not finished, but we pretty much knew at that point they're going to be the wild card. Yeah. I mean, uh, where, where to start? Um <laughs> This is this is cathartic. This is therapeutic. So they hadn't been playing well for about a month. They they had been they got swept by the Cubs. They lost two of three to the Pirates. Th- that was a sign things were not going well. It was like every other game the bats were on, the bats were off mm-hmm. for a while. We got swept by Atlanta. I did not have good feelings going into the postseason. I thought they would juice get get juiced for the postseason and something might happen. It nope. did. It, it it did not. Um, and so, you know, hey, we won 101 games. Yeah, but we lost two of three uh, to the Padres. Yeah, San Diego, and uh, yeah, just just no good. Um, and and those games. I mean, I know they won one game in that series, but from what I could tell, they weren't even especially close. Especially like game three, they got was it six? Game three, they only had one hit. Yeah, it was. They only had one hit um, in like the fourth or fifth inning. Yeah. Uh, Did you did you um, did you pay? Did you watch the game or? I kept track of the score, so I didn't watch. Okay, so in the oh goodness fifth or sixth inning, the uh, it's getting ready to start. The guy's getting ready to throw his first pitch. Joe Musgrove, who's on who's on the mound, and uh, Buck Showalter comes out. Manager of the Mets. Yeah, manager of the Mets. Uh, also was on Seinfeld. Uh, that's not connected to the story at all. Uh, <laughs> yes. But he was on there. 
walks out and talks to the crew chief. All, everybody gets together. And uh, he has like Twitter was ablaze with this guy's ears. Did you see this on Twitter at all? I saw it on Twitter, yes. And they, everybody on Twitter is like, there's a foreign substance on his ears. There's a, and everybody – and lots of people responded, no, he's just one really sweaty dude. <laughs> um, and so uh, Buck Showalter came out, talked to them, had them check his ears. And so the umpires had to go rub his ears <laughs> on the mound before the inning started. You didn't see this? I saw a picture on, on – on Twitter of of it happening, not not an actual video, but a picture. Yes. Yeah. So they went out and <laughs> and rubbed his ears to make sure it didn't have a foreign substance. Hmm. Um, now, does earwax count as a foreign substance? I don't know. That that feels quite unforeign. That feels very. <laughs> that feels like an at home substance. You know. Uh, but I'm of two minds of it. Like people are like, this is ridiculous or crazy. I don't think so. Um, for uh, for one, his spin rate was way up in the game. Like his curveball had in, like an additional 500 rotations per second, uh, and then he was he was just dealing. He was he was looking great. Now, mm-hmm. probably was just fine. And then and then I think the other part is Showalter was trying to throw him off, and yeah, so he came be. out came out to check the ears. But the <laughs> image of the umpires coming out to rub this guy's ears, I will. That's just a little awkward. I love it. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was so funny. But yeah, very disappointing. The Mets lost. Season was a wreck. And now, who you know, I don't know what the team will look like next year. So DeGrom uh, is a free agent. Brandon Nimmo, our center fielder, is a free agent. There's a few other guys. Our closer, Edwin Diaz, is a free agent. So All right. we'll, we'll see what happens. But very disappointing. Very sad. Very, very sad. Uh, also in playoff baseball news, the Guardians – I'm still getting used to that. I will call them the Indians for a while. But the Guardians won their wild card playoff series. In fun fashion. Like that was a – that was yes. a, in 15, 16 innings? Um, well, my son went to game one. That was the two to one game. That hmm. was like one of the fastest games in playoff history. Oh, great. It went – it was like less yeah, – I turned it on like, whoa, why? It's – it's over. Like it was that quick. Uh, so he got to go with a buddy, which was a lot of fun. And then I was flipping to the uh, to game two during college football commercials, which there are an inordinate amount of commercials during college football. It's absurd how many how many commercials there are. Anyway, there uh, and happened to turn in at the right moment to see. Um, is it Gonzalez? I think hit the home run in the bottom of the fifteenth inning yeah. to yeah. win one nothing, a scoreless game through fourteen innings. You don't see that very often yeah. anymore. That was uh, that was fun. Uh, we do have two listeners going to Guardians Yankees on, I believe Saturday. Oh, we do. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, Zach in Ohio and Nate in Ohio, I believe. Are, are they going together? Yeah, they're going together. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Well, I'm sure they will enjoy that. Maybe we'll have to uh, – I'm sure we will get some sort of uh, check-in from Nate in Ohio to tell us how that was. Oh, yeah. All right. Are we ready to move on? I suppose so. All right. So today we uh, 
in light of our conversation last week, we are talking about productivity and how that can easily become an idol. And uh, in the course of that con- uh, conversation, uh, it dawned on me that maybe it would be good for us to have a conversation about uh, the Sabbath because we mentioned that God hardwired in mm-hmm. one sense into creation these these rhythms mm-hmm. of work and rest. And that made me think, you know, the Sabbath is a fascinating um, biblical theology topic in part because Christians disagree on it in terms of whether we should still observe it or not, if so, how, those kinds of things. So I thought it would be good for us to uh, to dive into that. So um, let me start with a question. Um, did your family have any sort of like restrictions on Sunday activities? No, okay. we, we did not. Okay. Um, now, I would not say we're, we were the most active bunch on Sunday. It was mostly <laughs> like we're going to watch football and we're, we're going to go to church in the morning and we're going to watch football in the afternoon and nap. Um, yeah. I don't think there was anything particularly sacred uh, about that. Okay. Um, now, growing up in New York, we did go to a pretty conservative church where I would go – the pastor's son was my age and so I'd go over to their house. And I remember going over one time on Sunday afternoon, and they were a pretty strict no TV, no uh, no anything on Sundays. Were you allowed to, if you wanted to, go out in the yard and throw a football or play catch or something? Yeah, like I that? think that I think that was acceptable. Okay, uh, but but no like electronics um, or or anything, which was very foreign to me at that yeah. time. Like not being able to watch football or oh, let's pop in a video or yeah. uh, something like that was was very, very foreign to me. How about yourself? Did you guys have? No, not at all. But I didn't really grow up in a home that was especially um, religious. And yeah. so that, that would have been surprising if, if we'd have anything like that. But um, yeah, so that whole realm of Christianity was new, new-ish to me mm-hmm. um, as I got – Older and got um, and got to know a broader range of Christians. Like, oh, wait a minute! Like, you guys aren't allowed to do anything on Sunday afternoons. Like, even in some extreme examples, not just like watching football, but like playing any sort of game. Like that's whoa, that's no puzzles. No, no, no it's just interesting. Like, basically, you could read. Yep. Nap. Maybe take a walk, like a, a leisurely, nothing strenuous. <laughs> Um, and so I, I thought it would be good for us to talk about this a little bit. Um, let's start with kind of why was the Sabbath given or where do we maybe see it in the Old Testament? So, uh, I mean, the natural place I go is the creation week. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at, uh, you know, the the seventh day God rested from the work that he had done. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the most fascinating part of that uh, – that story in, in Genesis is that uh, every other day uh, starts and finishes, uh, but not that Sabbath day. That mm-hmm. that final day never never ends. Yeah, and I think that is probably looking forward to to an eternal rest yeah. uh, that is to take place. Yeah, but uh, that's that's one of the uh, one of the chief places I go to think about the Sabbath. Yeah, what's interesting about that is that really is one of the strangely. One of the most debated passages on the Sabbath, 
in this whole conversation. Hmm. Because the debate ends up running along lines of, okay, so is the Sabbath then a creation ordinance? Yeah. Like marriage, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, is the Sabbath strictly speaking tied to the Mosaic law covenant? And that gets you into the New Testament then because ultimately it's the question of, okay, well, if we're not under the Mosaic law covenant, then we're not under the Sabbath regulations anymore. Whereas a creation mandate. But if it's embedded in creation or – yeah, if, it, if it's part – if it's viewed as a creation ordinance, that's often the language used, hmm. then um, then it seems, well, the, the Sabbath has existed from the beginning. So um, we've got the pattern there in Genesis. I will make a note here, and this is tipping my hand, but so be it. Um, it's not expressed in any form of command. It's hmm. merely describing what God does. Yeah. You don't get a command until the Ten Commandments, until the until Exodus, hmm. where human beings are commanded to observe the, the Sabbath, which is interesting. So you've got God's actions, but you don't have a command, and there's no clear um, observance of anything like the Sabbath before you get to Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments. And that would would that differ from the marriage covenant we see earlier, where where it's talked about almost generally for humanity, yeah. Uh, whereas we see uh, the Sabbath rest in creation being this is something that God does, yeah. And we're extrapolating from that, right? That Correct. This, that this is a good principle for humans, also. Correct. Until you get to Exodus twenty, and God says, "Do right. this." Right. And it's very clear, very clear uh, that uh, even when giving that command. It is patterned off of God resting. I mm-hmm. mean, basically, it says in the statement of the commandment, you know, work six days, the seventh day is the day of rest, for God created in six days and rested on the seventh. Mm-hmm. So there's clearly a looking back. The question is, what do you do with that? Like, mm-hmm. is that is that saying, oh, well, see, the, the Sabbath is a creation institution, or yeah. is it just well, no, this is patterned after what God has done, but this is the first articulation that this is in fact a command and it's connected with, embedded in the Mosaic law. That's that that's part of the discussion there. Yeah. Um, we'll circle back to that in a minute. But, um, you know, another piece of that is uh, by the time you get to the to the New Testament period, that's one of the flashpoints with Jesus and the religious leaders. Well, yeah, if I'm remembering the story correctly, well, there's a few. Um, there's Several, yeah. right healing, healing of the withered hand on yep. the Sabbath, and then there's also the plucking of grain heads on the yes. Sabbath yep. as well. Yeah, absolutely. That the whole issue of the Sabbath was one of the most significant flashpoints between Jesus and the religious leaders, and. Part of what makes it potentially difficult for us as contemporary readers is we don't naturally know, we can find out through research and study, that the religious leaders of Jesus' day had added on layer upon layer of things you could not do on the Sabbath, well beyond what the Old Testament itself 
prohibited. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in every case where Jesus is interacting with or arguing with the religious leaders about the Sabbath, it's less about the Sabbath according to the Old Testament and more about the Sabbath according to religious traditions added on top of the Sabbath in the Old Testament. And I think that's where you get part of that tension is that Jesus is not coming along and saying that the Sabbath doesn't matter. He's reacting to the layers that have been added on top of that, that uh, the religious leaders are um, enforcing as if they have the very force of God's own words mm-hmm. on that issue. Well, they're putting in parameters, right, yeah. that that God himself did not put in. Correct. Uh, that they have kind of said – and that they're now elevating their parameters to the same yeah. level that God has. Yeah. And in fairness – what they're doing in essence is they're they're trying to say, look, if, if this is the rule, let's back the fence posts up a good bit so that we don't get anywhere near breaking the rule. And there are times where that's not a bad idea. <laughs> but as a general rule, probably not the way to go mm-hmm. when it comes to especially what God says, especially if you're binding people's consciences and saying – you cannot do that. That's sin. Let's be careful there. Mm-hmm. You might say it's unwise. You might say in light of the other circumstances, you really should not consider doing that. OK. But when you let, when you put it to the level of, no, no, that's sin. You are sinning against God by doing that. Yeah, that's next level. Well, no, that's um, – I'm violating one of your commandments but not God's commandments. Now – Jesus does say things like, um, you know, uh, man was not created for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man, Mm -hmm. reminding us that the Sabbath is given as a gift. um, And it's to to, benefit us. To benefit us, not to enslave us. Right. And there there seems to be pretty clear uh, indications that while Jesus was doing his earthly ministry, he was observing the Sabbath in terms of what the Old Testament says, not what – the religious leader's additional commands mm-hmm. would say. Although I imagine he was pretty familiar with what uh, they had written in order in order to have these oh, yeah, discussions yeah. and yeah. arguments. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it gets a little bit trickier when you get outside of the New Testament uh, – outside of the gospels in the New Testament because you have statements like in Romans 14.5. One person esteems one day as better than another. While another esteems days alike, all days alike. In other words, Paul allows for a range of of practice within the church. Mm -hmm. Some people have special days where they isolate those and set those apart and others don't. And he's just like, both are okay. Yeah. Both are okay. Matter of conscience. Yeah. Yeah. Or in Colossians 2.16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Again, the idea seems to be Paul is fine with people observing the Sabbath Mm -hmm. if they want to, but gets uh, very upset if you try to mandate that. Mm -hmm. And to me, here's the clincher. Nine of the Ten Commandments are reiterated in the New Testament as binding on Christians explicitly. Yeah. 
The only one that's not is the Sabbath commandment. Hmm. Nowhere does the New Testament instruct you, command you to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. doesn't happen. I don't think that's an accidental omission. I don't think that's a coincidental, oh, well, come on. No, I think that's absolutely vital because I think what that's helping us to see is that it's not binding on Christians and that it was the sign of the Mosaic law covenant. And so God's people under that covenant were absolutely required to keep it. And if they didn't, there was severe punishment. Mm-hmm. But we're not under that covenant. And so I think that that particular observation of the Sabbath is something that is not mandated for us as Christians. Now, uh, I, th- I think I think I think of a couple things when you say that. One. That feels like a license to work seven days a week. <laughs> I know that's not what you're advocating for, but would you explore that for me just a little bit? Uh, like, like, okay, so what do I, you know, is is that a permission to be a workaholic? Right. Uh, the short answer is no, it's not. Um, I think that the, and this is where. This is what part of what fascinates me as a, as a theological question is because. I think sometimes we fail to distinguish Sunday is not the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Saturday was. Right. Sunday is the Lord's Day. And so um, the early Christians, pretty early on, it seems like, consistently met on Sundays to worship. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you keep the original sort of historical context in view, I think that a lot of Christians, just because of their lot in life, would have had to have worked seven days a week. And I think most, from what I can gather, most early Christian uh, worship gatherings happened either before sunrise or after sunset. In other words, after the working day so that you had slaves or people who were small business owners or whatever or even, you know, wives and, and and moms and such that had household responsibilities, they tried to move that service outside of that window so that you could either you could worship by going before, sometimes mm-hmm. they gather before sunrise or after sunset. So in some ways I think there was a pragmatic, it wasn't even really feasible mm-hmm. for many early Christians to observe a sort of day off, if you want to call it that. But I do think the Sabbath principle absolutely is something that we as Christians should embody, meaning that there should be a there should be consistent, regular periods of rest from work. And what's striking is, is that even secular studies have demonstrated that oftentimes you can be, in one sense, more productive by working less hours. Because there's a diminishing returns principle mm-hmm. that starts to happen where the more you work at times, the less productive you are, the less value it has. And so in any case, I think that uh, all of us as Christians should have time set apart for rest, for recreation, for um, opportunities to in particular, especially – and this is why I think um, 
worshiping on Sundays is is such a good thing is that it's a set-apart time for the body of believers to meet together to devote time towards the worship of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And um, that principle should be, I think, embodied not just by, oh, I go to church on Sunday mornings, but um, trying to build in periods of time during your week where you are intentionally, I am not working. I'm resting. I'm reflecting. I'm reading. I'm studying. I'm... um, just enjoying fellowship with other believers or my family so that um, you don't end up making work an idol. Mm -hmm. What about you? Thoughts on that or? Yeah, I think think when I look at sort of some of the Old Testament regulations and things, I think I see uh, not something that's uh, commanded of – all humans in creation, but yeah. uh, perhaps a best practices <laughs> okay. for for all humans that, that kind of as you're illustrating that like, my goodness, uh, humans seem to function a lot better uh, yeah. when they have some sort of rest built into their lives in some sort of rhythmic fashion, whether that's a day, a couple of days, mm-hmm. so- something. Um, you know, the f- uh, probably two years ago, maybe pre-pandemic, uh, the four-day work week was getting some was getting some hype, right? Every yeah. every weekend's a three-day weekend, sort of, sort of a yeah. sort of a thing. Um, that was getting a lot of play. I haven't heard much about that recently, no. but b- bottom line, building in more building in rest was was helpful. Yeah, I think that's certainly something that could be abused, sure. right? Yeah, uh, sort of overextending rest. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just a just a couple of like quotes that I think of when I think of rest. Um, I remember reading uh, Don Carson and Scandalous, I think the name of the book is, and he's talking through, you know, kind of, you know, the most godly thing to do is not uh, uh, stay up all night, pray all night, uh, read your Bible all night. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the most godly thing to do is get eight hours. Yep. Not a direct quote, but. Yeah. Um, and uh, and another quote that I think of, I believe comes from Keller, uh, where uh, you know, taking a day and resting is a way to say, God, you're God, and and I am yeah. not. Um, and I think sleep plays into this as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I would note, too, that, um, you know, if you, re- if you really wanted to try, try to be aggressively Sabbatarian, then um, your pastor violates it every Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like the, what the pastor does on a Sunday – that's work. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's preaching, he's ministering to people, and so he can't observe the Sabbath. If you want to equate those two, he can't do it the way you can. So he has to take a Monday or another day during the week where it's like, okay, I'm not. I, you know, maybe in great emergencies I'll be available, but otherwise, like I'm home, I'm resting, I'm spending time with my family, etc. But he's doing it on a Monday or a Friday or whatever it might be. Well, yeah. So already we're noticing like there's still a there's a principle there maybe that you're embodying, but the hardcore like well it's Sunday so you can't do these activities. P- particularly if your pastor is teaching Sunday morning, and then this may be a bit old school, but teaching on Sunday night Absolutely. as well. Like, Absolutely. There's just a lot of, you know, that's a that's a full day. Oh, absolutely, for sure. For sure. 
Uh, we've got a few uh, suggested resources on this, a um, few articles here. Uh, Steve Wellam has an article, Three Reasons Sunday is Not the Christian Sabbath. It's really good. Years ago, Justin Taylor has an article here, Is the Sabbath Still Required for Christians?, which really is just a reprint of Tom Schreiner's um, chapter on the Sabbath in his book, 40 Questions on Biblical Law. Yeah. Super good. Uh, for a uh, for a different opinion, you've got David Strain, Why Christians Should Be Sabbatarians. So he tries to argue. And then if you're interested more in the theological end of things, D.A. Carson edited a book called From Sabbath to Lord's Day. That's got probably a dozen different um, essays on how do we think about the Sabbath? How do we think about the Lord's Day? What are the biblical theological connections, discontinuities, continuities, et cetera? It's really, really fascinating to think about oh, and, yeah. and read. So I would, I would encourage that as a resource. All right, John, we have to move on here to this day in sports history. OK, October 11, 2022, 1948. A little before your time. A bit. Um, and mine. Yeah, a bit as well. Uh, 1948 Baseball World Series shows you how early the World Series used to be, oh, right? Way back before that. Uh, yeah. uh, Cleveland Indians beat the Boston Braves four to three at Braves Field to clinch series four games to two. Uh, Indians uh, second championship in team history. Was that the last one they they won? Maybe. I, I know they're due. <laughs> I mean, in the baseball world, I mean, it used to be the Cubs. Well, it used to be Red Sox and Cubs, and now both of those have won. So I think Cleveland has the longest drought. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah, ex you know, except for probably smaller teams that have just been formed and just haven't won a World Series yet. Right, right. You know, but yeah. anyway. Uh, 1980, the Dallas Mavericks – uh, debut uh, as, as a team uh, in the NBA season with a 103-92 victory against interstate rival Spurs of San Antonio. Yeah. I don't think I realized that the Mavs franchise was that young. Yeah. I kind of always figured they were an ABA team. Yeah. So did I. Um, 92, Deion Sanders. You've heard of him? Vaguely. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty shy. Um, <laughs> Deion Sanders plays for the Atlanta Falcons and the Atlanta Braves in the same, same day. day. Yeah. Isn't there – is there a 30 for 30 on that? There is. Yes. It's good. Yeah. I, I remember it. It's – I mean it's a fascinating I, – I, I don't think that could happen today. Even if you had an athlete that was capable of doing – I mean Bo Jackson did it way back in the day. Dion did it. But um, I just don't think – that it would be allowed by either of those fran yeah. by the franchises. They'd be like, you're too valuable to us. Yeah. Kyler Murray is maybe the athlete that would do it today if he could maybe. Russell Wilson perhaps. Yeah. Maybe Russell Wilson should go to baseball <laughs> after the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. But uh, 97, Dennis Rodman returns from second longest NBA suspension ever of 11 games. I don't remember what that was for. Was that for kicking the cameraman? That might have been for kicking the cameraman. Oh, he did that's, so many things. It's hard to that keep That sounds track about right. Um, and 2020, 
Uh, NBA Finals, Lakers beat the Heat 106-93 in Game 6 to uh, to win record uh, 17th title MVP LeBron James, uh, first to win the award with three different teams. Yeah, it just seems weird to have that in October. Obviously, that was the was that the bubble COVID year bubble. Yep, that oh, was the man. bubble year. Yeah, do you remember that? That was weird. Do you remember the food that these guys were getting and they were tweeting out pictures? Of? What a unique time in human history. Yeah, to be alive. Yeah, it it gets more bizarre the further away you get from it, and then you look back and go, "Wow, that was weird. Mm-hmm. That was really weird." And praise God that we're not in that phase of weird right now. Yeah. All right, John, what do you got out of that list? I mean, I'm probably Deion Sanders just because I don't know that we'll ever see that done again. I agree. Yeah. And now he's a college football coach. Yeah. Where's he at? Jackson State maybe? Is that a historically black college and university? Maybe. That I'm not sure about. Okay. What a a moment. And doing Aflac commercials with Nick Saban. <laughs> what a life. What a oh life. Oh, my goodness. One thing you liked. Okay. Uh, so I listened to a podcast this last week, um, Content Warning. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, Crooked City. Okay. Uh, uh, Nathan in Indiana turned, the, turned me on to this. Okay. Uh, it is by the same people that did Crime Town. Ooh. And it is about the mob in Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, I think I think Nathan did tell me about this. Uh, it's real good. It's dropping week by week. I think it's got two weeks left. Okay. So, yes, it's a fascinating, fascinating show. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, I am going to go with um, the start of my son's last basketball season. He had his first game last week. He's got another game uh, tonight. So um, there's sort of that bittersweet enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, fun to watch your kid play. Uh, when you think back, though, to the – this started with elementary school travel basketball. I remember going to those games. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, now this is, uh, is going to be it. So uh, a mixture of – Soaking it in and, and feeling that bittersweet of, yeah, this is it. And then, you know, once he's done, I'll have to wait till I have grandkids hmm. to have that kind of investment probably, which is not anywhere on the horizon. So it's, I thought you might have an announcement <laughs> for us. Gosh, no. Oh, my word. Come on. You know better. <laughs> you know better than that. Sometimes I like to say things on here that make you very uncomfortable. I am aware. (laughs) I am aware. Just like I like to pick some sports events that have impossible names to pronounce. (laughs) Not today. Today was pretty easy. Today was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of our shtick after 145 episodes. All right. We have talked lots of football, Mets disappointment. Oh, gosh. Are they disappointing? Yes. Uh, Should we keep the Sabbath – we have talked Dion Sanders, Neon Dion, primetime. Primetime. We have talked the Crooked City podcast and the start of a basketball season. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.